welcome in to the Rock Talk Studio, the ultimate review of rock and roll books, documentaries, and movies. This is the podcast that takes advantage of my obsession with reading and watching a ton of rock and roll books and documentaries. So now you don't have to waste your time searching around for something to check out. Before the show is over, I guarantee you'll have a bunch of strong recommendations on where to spend your time and your money. Today, the spotlight title falls on the documentary, Mr. Jimmy. This is the story of Akio Sakurai, who for 30 years dedicated his life to playing like Jimmy Page and recreating Led Zeppelin concerts note for note in small Tokyo clubs until one day that all changed when Jimmy Page himself walked in the door. After the spotlight title, I'm going to preview, review, and recommend a bunch of new docs and books that just came out. One of the books is a 500-page monster that looks at the question, who is the most underrated rock star of all time? And as always, I promise to deliver all this to you with all the passion of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young's four-part harmony. I'm your host, Big Rick. Let's plug in and get the show started up with a review of the documentary, Mr. Jimmy. Dedication, commitment, tribute, honor. There is a fine line before something turns into obsession. Akiro Sakurai, or Mr. Jimmy, as he's known mostly in this documentary, was 19 when he first saw the Led Zeppelin movie, A Song Remains the Same. And like most of us who saw the movie, it was a total mind blower and a live musical game changer in a lot of ways. But for Sakurai, who was born and lived in Japan, it was something else altogether. It was a touchstone. It was the moment. And ever since that moment, when he saw that movie, everything became about wanting to not only play like this guitarist that played like no other, but move, look, dress, and become Jimmy Page. During the week, his paycheck job was that of a kimono salesman. And then on the weekends, he started performing Zeppelin songs, but not not in the fashion of other bands and how they would play Zeppelin, not just throwing in a few Zeppelin songs in your club's band set. Sakurai was recreating Zeppelin shows. Through bootlegs that he would find at underground record stores, Sakurai meticulously learned each show note for note. He could play a 1973 version of, say, Stairway to Heaven, and then play and show you the same song from a concert three or four years later and show you all the little subtle differences in the performance. He was also obsessed with the clothes Page wore on stage, spending all his extra money on wardrobe and recreating Page's guitars. He even grew his hair out to look like Jimmy and started incorporating a lot of his mannerisms. I mean, misunderstood is a word you could use here because or is the guy crazy? <laughs> the, the director, Michael Down, did a really good job of placing friends and people who work with Sakurai into the story to give you a better understanding of who Sakurai is. So is he crazy? Is he not? He was not someone mimicking a performer. He was not interested in being a cover artist or approaching this lightly in any way. And there are a few people who understood his level of dedication And that's where their story is so important. Through these people who worked with him closely to recreate all the different aspects of what was needed to become exactly Jimmy Page. I'm talking like slowing down a video 
there's a part where he, he wanted to see how many buttons were on the jacket that he was making, and he would slow down a video and watch it over and over and over to make sure he knew exactly how many buttons were on Jimmy Page's jacket. The people who worked on these people grew to respect his unbending dedication to who Page was and what his music meant to not only Sakurai, but the world. It took the director, Peter Michael, down four years to complete this film. A lot of the time was spent on securing the rights to the 25 Zeppelin songs used in the movie. And there are other famous blues songs, too, that it took a while to get the rights to. The soundtrack is awesome. Down even resorted to driving Uber, doing telemarketing, even selling his car at one point to get the film made. So you can't help but wonder, I mean, how much uh, did Sakurai's dedication, and we're talking decades, rub off on him? This is a very unusual story, and I think that's where it kind of sets itself apart from other documentaries. Sakurai is committed to becoming Jimmy Page. This is like no other commitment to recreation of of music I've, I've ever seen. How can you not root for this guy? I mean, at times, I did find myself kind of shaking my head a little bit, a little bewildered by this over-the-top obsession with the details. But at the same time, I couldn't help respecting the hell out of this guy for what he was committed to. And it's Jimmy Page. I mean, come on, we're talking about Jimmy Page. I think most people in the rock and roll community are going to get on board with that. As you can imagine, Sakurai's life goes through some major ups and downs as he pursues this unusual uh, dream. But while playing one of the shows in a small Tokyo club with about 200 people in it, his life changed. And that's because... In walked the man himself, Jimmy Page, and for two hours, Page sat in amazement as Mr. Jimmy played a Zeppelin concert note for note, and you could tell from the footage that Page was just blown away. And after the show, on insistence from his wife, Sakurai packs it up and moves to California to pursue uh, this dream. And for a guy born in in a small town in Japan, Moving to America where he had never been before was a major shock, especially since he didn't speak the language or understand the cultural at all. And this is where his commitment to becoming Jimmy Page was severely tested because what he was trying to do was really hard to relate to other musicians who wanted to play in like a Zeppelin cover band or a tribute band. Sakurai just always called it a revival of a Zeppelin concert. And you could... You can see from that perspective how hard it would be to find an audience that wanted to hear the hits and not a recreation of a rare Zeppelin gig from, let's say, Los Angeles Forum on uh, July 21st, 1977. There is a really great conclusion to this story. I'm not going to spoil it. This is a story like no other. Bizarre in, in a lot of ways, but overall a tremendous documentation of a man completely transformed by the power and passion of Zeppelin's music and the mystique of not only the playing of Jimmy Page, but the overall aura of the man himself. Mr. Jimmy was directed by Peter Michael Down and has a running time of 113 minutes. Going to give the documentary the official RTS rating coming up next, and we'll see just where this stacks up against other documentaries. Before we get into the rating, I want to point you to a place to go for more recommendations for good rock and roll books, documentaries, and movies, and that's the show's archives. That's where you need to go. It's a great resource for recommendations and reviews on a ton of titles. I've got 17 episodes in there now. There's been a lot of quality product release over this last year, so you can find that at 
rocktalkstudio.buzzsprout.com or any place you listen to podcasts. If you're new here, welcome in. My goal here is to scour the rock and roll landscape and make sure I leave you with a few cool things to check out every month. If you've been with me for a while, thanks so much for the support. It means a lot. I'm pretty active on social media under Rock Talk Studio, and I really enjoy talking music with a bunch of you. I also enjoy listening to other rock and roll podcasts. I've been listening to the Rock and Roll Autopsy lately. This is a really great podcast. I asked the guys there if they could share a little bit about the show. So let's hear what they're up to. Ever wonder if rock and roll is dead? Does the music we grew up loving align with modern sensibilities? Or should it be relegated to the dustbin of regrettable rock history? My name is Scott. And this is Rico. We are your rock and roll pathologists. Join us as we take your favorite songs and put them under the knife every week on Rock and Roll Autopsy. New episodes every Sunday at midnight, wherever you stream your podcasts. The Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. Thanks, guys. Great stuff. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to this podcast, The Rock and Roll Autopsy. Check it out. All right, time to rate the documentary, Mr. Jimmy. And here's how the rating system is set up. I rate on a scale of one to four. So one is a front row center. This is the ultimate. This is the instant classic. Doesn't get any better than this. This is a one-of-a-kind work, something that really, really stands out amongst the others. That's front row center. Two is a floor seat. Highly recommended. Still a must-see or a read. This is a don't-miss title. A three is a load seat. It's okay. It could still be a recommended tile. It's not bad. It just doesn't blow me away. And four, you're in the nosebleeds, baby. The documentary, Mr. Jimmy, all the way, front row center, number one. I was blown away by this documentary. Such a great story. The, the documentary opens with him playing rain songs, sitting outside on with an acoustic guitar. It's just beautiful. The soundtrack's incredible. And again, you can't help but really... Just admire this guy for what he does and what he, his dedication to Zeppelin, to Jimmy Page. Check this out. Don't miss it. Mr. Jimmy, the documentary. I wanted to share with you about a new thing I have going. If you'd like to support what I'm up to at Rock Talk Studio and you've been finding value from the show and the recommendations that I do in each episode, my podcast host, Buzzsprout, now has a subscription option where for a couple bucks a month, you can help me to continue to bring this quality podcast. The money goes directly to helping me with monthly operating costs and getting my hands-on materials that I use for the show. Anything helps. I really appreciate it. You can choose the amount. I really love doing the Rock Talk Studio podcast. So again, I appreciate any support from this amazing rock and roll community. There's a little button says subscription on it next to the episodes, and it's even right on the, the website when it pops up. If you have any questions or you'd like to get in touch with me or send me a recommendation, or if you have any questions about the subscription, shout out to me, Big Rick, at info at rocktalkstudio.com. Rapid fire recommendation time. I've dug around, watched and read a couple of interesting titles this month that I've been looking forward to sharing with you. I'm going to start with the book uh, that answers the question that I teased in the beginning. Who is the most underrated rock star of all time? Well, according to the book, Leon Russell, the master of space and time's journey through rock and roll history by Bill Janowitz, it's Leon himself. 
Not that Janovitz ever claimed that, but he didn't need to. All the musicians, producers, roadies, labels, execs, almost anybody who came in contact with Leon Russell couldn't help but declare it over and over again. And I tell you what, after reading this 536-page beast, I tend to agree. Now, Leon Russell is like a tree. He's this mighty stump, deeply rooted, and everything that came out of him are branches reaching across so many styles of music, so many different artists that even continue on to this day. He was just in his late teens when he was touring as the backup group for Jerry Lee Lewis. That's where he got his start working for The Killer. And still in his teens, he joined the famous L.A. Wrecking Crew. He was the musical director on many of Phil Spector's Wall of Sound recordings. He put together the band for Joe Cocker's Mad Dog and Englishman tour. He put together the band for George Harrison's Bangladesh Benefit concert. Uh, Let's see what else. He he wrote two songs that were added to Bob Dylan's Greatest Hits, Volume 2. I could go on and on because his resume goes on and on. He played on so many iconic songs that I would need another 20-minute show just to list them all. This book is the place to go if you're looking for a vast, very vast, comprehensive study of the Leon Russell ripple that spread out and dominated a lot of the sounds of the 70s rock and roll. Without a doubt, this book is a large ask for if you're just a casual fan. Its chronological telling is finite. You're in deep, following along to an almost daily account of his actions, in it's following the path of this very eccentric and gifted musician who was flawed in a lot of ways. I mean, mostly being a bad businessman and being not too good at relationships. But Russell's rise to stardom was really fast and his fall was just as quick. This book is full of extensive research documenting a story that is a key chapter in rock and roll. But you have to be ready to really dig in. It's a long, detailed personal journey with a lot of moving parts that, to me, it was well worth the time I spent reading and, more importantly, enjoying the book. I highly recommend this one. Now I want to take a look and preview a few books that are coming out that drew my attention. This one comes out November 7th. It's a new book by Jeff Tweedy, the Wilco frontman and New York Times bestselling author. The book is called World Without a Song, Music That Changed My Life and Life That Changed My Music. Tweedy shares 50 songs that changed his life. The book looks at why we listen to music, why we love songs, and how music can connect us to each other and to ourselves. It's kind of similar to what Dylan did with his book, The Philosophy of Modern Song, where he breaks down a bunch of songs and gives his interpretation of them. Because I love Tweedy's memoir, Let's Go So We Can Get Back, that came out in... um, 2018 so much. I will definitely be checking this one out. It comes out November 7th. I also want to mention one more book that came out. It's a massive collection for Metallica fans. It's called Messengers, the Guitars of James Hetfield. It's a hardcover book, 400 pages long. This beautiful, beautiful put together coffee table style book features Hetfield's discussion of 40 guitars that he's used throughout his career. This is a huge book. For any diehard Metallica fans, I think this is a must, must buy. Let's take a look at rock and roll documentaries now. There was one that was announced. It was the Stones and Brian Jones documentary. Nick Broomfield, the director of it, met Brian Jones by chance on a train when he was 14 years old. Brian was already in the Stones, and then just six years later, he died. 
The film takes a look at the relationship and rivalries with the Rolling Stones in their formative years and includes interviews with the band members and unseed archive footage. Founding member Bill Wyman also serves as a historical consultant. So when I saw this, it was an announcement. You know, the doc comes out November 7th, but my first thought was, wait a minute, there was a Brian Jones documentary just done a couple years ago. The Life and Death of Brian Jones, and it came out in 2019. And now, four years later, we have another one. Before I pass too much judging on this, this, I want to see it. I'm going to try to go in with open eyes, but this story has been told many times. This one's up for debate. I'll probably review it in the December episode, if it's worth it. There's another uh, documentary that I've been hunting down, the story of Sid Barrett and Pink Floyd, another story that's been told. I just can't find it on streaming just yet. It's only in theaters, so I definitely want to take a look at that one, too, when it comes out. And then finally, to me, the documentary of the month is the Now and Then documentary about the new Beatles song that Paul and Ringo put together from the John Lennon recording that they had. There's a really great documentary. It's only 12 minutes long, but it explains how the song came together. I love this song. I think it's fantastic that we get another Beatles song. What they're claiming is the last Beatles song. This beautiful 12-minute documentary is worth checking out if you're into the Beatles and want to learn more about this song now and then, the documentary. Let's wrap up the show with one more recommendation. But as always, at the end of the show, I'm going to crank it back 10 years with the Turn 10 series. What turned 10 this year? What famous book or classic documentary came out in October 2013? Well, I'm going to give a shout out to listener Scott C. from Austin, Texas. He gets credit for this one. Scott wrote in and reminded me about this this book, Wild Tales, A Rock and Roll Life, Graham Nash's autobiography. What a great book this was. And I remember reading it many years ago, an iconic story from an amazing life in music. And it made me think about, okay, so where does this fall with the other memoirs that came out or the other books written about Crosby, Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young? Let's take a look at that. Crosby's book came out in 1988. It was called Long Time Gone, and it was it kind of laid the groundwork for all the stories that came after it. He was not holding any punches like Crosby did. That was 1988, and then Nash's came out. Um, you know, in 2013, so it was a huge gap. Neil Young wrote a couple of memoirs, Waging Heavy Peace, A Hippie Dream. That came out in 2013, so again, a big gap there. And then he did a memoir of life and cars in 2014. And Stephen Steele's book, Change Partners, uh, the definitive biography, was 2016. The Turn 10's recommendation falls on Wild Tales, the Graham Nash autobiography. Check it out. Thanks for tuning in. Love talking rock and roll and getting a chance to recommend a few titles for you. I appreciate anyone who takes a few minutes out of their day to enjoy this ride with me. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I enjoyed reading the books and watching the documentaries and putting this all together. I'll see you as always on the first Tuesday of every month with a brand new episode. All right, tear it down, pack it up and head on down the road. We'll see you next time in the Rock Talk studio.